Shabbat Shalom. Right, one of these things that I've been uh, looking at and we're going to start looking at over the next uh, few sessions is the book of Daniel. And uh, you can write down your questions or anything that the Lord gives you as as I speak and we'll have uh, a chat time at the end. I mean, last week we went on for almost three quarters of an hour with questions and people, you know, adding things and and things like that. And some friends of ours in Northern Ireland uh, sent over what I think, well, Anne, I think it was, uh, had said about the Turin Shroud that there is now evidence that it could be possibly true and it could be the actual shroud that Jesus walked in. So there's lots of things for discussion there. But we're looking at the book of Daniel. I think, as I've looked through, just the first, well, I've read the whole book, but just looking through and, and getting ahead of myself <clears throat> and doing what a good teacher always does, just as one step ahead of the kids. So I'm just one step ahead. And, and um, I was saying, I was sharing with Trevor that, that I have literally just gone through the first two verses. And I'm into just the first two verses, I'm into talk two. So what I'm going to do is probably just give you an overview tonight of where we're going, how relevant, I want you to see tonight how relevant Daniel is to our time as it was to his time. And that is going to be the theme right the way through the book of Daniel. Daniel is an end time book. There is no, just read the last few verses in chapter 12, it is an end time book for us today. And The first thing I want to say is Acts 11, verse 23, when it says, Who, when he came and had been seen, the grace of God was glad and exhorted them that with purpose of heart that they would cling unto the Lord. If I was going to put a strap line across Daniel, it would be absolutely no compromise and do not budge no matter what. No compromise and do not budge no matter what. That is the theme that Daniel has. The other thing that I think Daniel has right the way through the book, which staggered me, absolutely staggered me, was that there was no compromise, but there was also no complaining. You do not find one part in Daniel where he ever complained about his circumstances. Ever. And here we have a young boy who at the age of between, they they say between the age of 14 to 17. There is no definite age, but it's around that time. He He found himself, he woke up in the palace one day, and by the end of the day he was in chains, being carted off to a foreign land. And I just thought, well, Lord, you know, this man never complained, or this boy never complained. And he never budged. You see, how do we fit in with this today? We can live out of two things. We can live out of preference. The preference is of what do we want? What do we want out of our lives walking with the Lord? What do we want to do? What do we, and that's the preference. Or we can live out of conviction. The conviction is, what do you require of me, Lord? What do you require me to do, Lord? What do you want me to do? It's a totally different perspective. And that is where Daniel lived out of. He lived out of conviction, conviction of the Lord. And when you live out of the conviction of the Lord, you will not go to the right and you will not go to the left. You'll stay straight on that course no matter what happens. 
And that's the thing I loved about Daniel, is that he lived out of a life of conviction. Conviction for the Lord. For the Lord that he grew up knowing and loving. He wasn't going to go to the left and he wasn't going to go to the right. How many 14 or 17 year olds do you know that live their lives like that? Hardly any. Hardly any. I don't think I know one. 14 year old who is living a life purely from God, doesn't matter how popular or unpopular it is. I don't know a 14-year-old that lives his life for Jesus in the way that Daniel did. Daniel, at the age of 14 to 17, was carried off into captivity. He was never, ever to see Jerusalem again in the whole of his life. He was, he was to walk out of Jerusalem and never, ever return. Amazing. I'm going to go into deeper detail of all these sort of things that I'm mentioning now. We know from Daniel that he was of noble birth. He was a prince of some sort. He came from a, a family of, of high renown. And there he was, was, was this man, or this, little, this boy, 14-year-old boy, was carted off to the most hostile, occultish environment that you could ever expect on planet Earth. The things that were going off in Babylon, you cannot even... I can't even tell you. I can't even mention some of the, the depravity of, of worship to occultic gods that were going on in Babylon in Daniel's time. You do the history. And he lived right in the center of this occultic worship and practice. You can't get any more closer of this practice than living in the king's royal chambers, in the, in the, in the royal court, where Daniel was at the center of it. And do you know what? Even in this, he didn't sway to the left or to the right, even if it was going to cost him his life. And he knew that if he purposed within his heart to keep on the straight and narrow with God and not compromise one iota, God would bless him. God would bless him. And more importantly, God would be with him no matter what happened. And we're going to see how Daniel, right from the word go, got the blessings of God. And we're going to have a look at that. He outlived three kings. He outlived Nebuchadnezzar, he outlived Darius, and lastly, he outlived Cyrus. First Babylonian king, then the Persian kings, you know, that followed. So he lived in two empires. So he saw over 80 years of captivity... Incredible change. Incredible change. He saw that the power go from the left to the right, from, from this Babylonian kingdom to the Persian Empire that was to take over the Babylonian kingdoms. And he said that he wouldn't sway, he wouldn't compromise, he wouldn't alter his course that God had put him on. It says in 2 Kings 20, verse 17, this has been prophesied. This is the prophecy of what would happen in Daniel's day. Now listen to this. Behold, the days come that all that is in your house and that which your fathers have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried off into Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And of your sons, he's talking about Daniel, that shall be descended from you, whom you shall beget, shall they be taken away too. And they shall be eunuchs 
in the palace of the king of Babylon. So here you have a 14-year-old boy who was carted off, taken out of an environment that he was loved, he was blessed, he knew the language, he dressed like everybody else, and suddenly put into an occult center. But not just that, before he was presented to the chief eunuch, he had a certain part of his anatomy removed. And people forget that. People forget that. He had something of incredible depravity taken away because in those days they said that you could only be the king's man and that if you had focus on women there wasn't anything about the harem that that they might get entangled in the harem of uh, Nebuchadnezzar it wasn't any of that it was that if you have an interest in women then you can't have the king's interest at heart how many of I how many of us have circumcised our heart as Paul says. How many of us have purpose that we will only be attentive to the Lord's needs? I think we've lost this. I think we've lost this in society. We've got compromise. We've got compromise and leaven so far full in the church, it's almost overrun us. And what we need to do is have people like Daniel and his three friends. More and more, where there will not be compromise in this day and age. That we will not compromise in the ways of God. That we will stand firm in this. That we will stand correct in this. And then God will bless us. Listen, if we lose our lives, we gain it. We gain it. We can't lose that. That is such a privilege to become a martyr for the living God. It's a privilege. You get a crown put on your head in heaven. It's a tough word. But there's got to be a body of people in the the 21st century that stand up for the standards that God has set. And there must not be this compromise that has entered into the church. If you look at Isaiah 3, verses 1 to 3, it says, Behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, takes away from Jerusalem, from Judah, the stock and the store and the whole supply of bread, and the whole supply of water, and the mighty men, and the mighty men of war, the judge and the prophet, the diviner and the elder, the captain of fifteen honorable men, the counsel and the skillful um, artisan, and the expert enchanter. I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. It's talking about Daniel. It's about Daniel being taken away almost as a babe. But God had a plan and a purpose. For Daniel, and Daniel knew it. Daniel knew from this, from what had happened, and from the scripture, that he knew that this was in God's perfect plan and his perfect will. For God has saved us, he's called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world begun. You have got a divine purpose. God has got a divine plan for you before this worth was even formed or established. God has a plan for you and for me. My question is this. Will we stick to it? Will we stick to the plan and the purposes of God or will we be captivated by things of this world? I'm going to call a spade a spade throughout these talks. 
You will not hold me, say that I am not going to butter it up, but I don't see a lot of difference between the church and the world. I do not see a lot of change. I do not see changes in this church. If this church was to become like God, like Jesus, then we could overtake this planet in a fraction of less than three months. If every Christian absolutely rose up to be who they are in Christ, to be the Daniels in this world, we could revolutionise this world into the ways of God quicker than we can even think about it. And that's what God is looking for. For Daniel, in verse 1, purpose in his heart that he wouldn't defile himself with a portion of the king's food, nor with the wine which he drank. Do you know what they were eating? you know what the king's food was, the meat was? It was pork. And to a Jew, it was abhorrent to eat of pork. Now, let me tell you, now, let me just, well, I'll, I won't, I'll stick to my notes. I'm going to try and teach and not preach. See, Daniel knew, and he decided from day one that he would not compromise in any form or matter. So he lived by his convictions instead of by his preferences. It would have been so easy for Daniel to really just blend in in the background. Just blend in and do what everybody else is doing and try to keep your head on your shoulders. That's what some would have done, but Daniel and his three friends had no ways. I'm purposing within my heart to keep God at the centre of my life, come what may. Do you know, out of this, I don't even like particularly using Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. I don't even like using their names. I'm going to speak about their names you know, later on. I don't even like talking that, that the names that were given to them. And I'll, I'll, I'll explain why later on in the, probably the next talk. But, but Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and Daniel must have got together at some point and talked about it and talked and prayed and said, no matter what, guys, we're in it together. We're in this together. That is what church should be like. This is where you should purpose within your heart to surround yourself with like-minded people and say, doesn't matter what happens, I'm not budging. I am not budging. We are not budging. We will link our shields together. We will defend each other, but we will not compromise. And you keep each other in check. Steady on. Don't get too far ahead. If you get too far ahead, guess what? The enemy might pick you off. Come back into the ranks and we'll, you know, okay, right, He's, he just ended a little bit. Just, just let's put them back together. Let's give them that time out of the front line. Let's just give them some R and R. Let's, you know, and that's what family should be. Because Daniel didn't have a family anymore. He had his three friends. I'm going to say the three, the three mighty men of valor uh, that we see in, in David's day. But you know what, folks, we need to be like these guys. We need to be fighting the system that we are in and we should not lower our standards to suit the world or to suit what churches are doing. Listen, you've all broken out of that religious spirit. You've all broken out of it. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here on a Friday night. You would not be listening to what we're talking about on a Friday night discussing it. You've broken out of something. You're an overcomer. 
This is where it talks about in Revelations. To the church, write this. But to the overcomers, write this. You're an overcomer. But we must not lower the standards that God has set. And then we must become very careful about not being religious, about being religious in this. Do you understand what I'm saying? We can't get religious about it. We just got to say, we're going to set our standards like this. And do you know what? There's going to be a joy in my spirit. I'm not going to complain. Even when the going gets tough, the tough get going. That used to be my phrase. This used to be the rugby guys. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. You know, it used to be the song. And I'm telling you, it's true. When this going gets tough, and it is going to get tougher and tougher and tougher as we see this day approaching. Just You see, if we're not careful, we're going to go into deception and pride. We will go into deception and pride when we get hold of this. And we can't allow it. We've got to keep ourselves humble. You look at Daniel. All the way through, he kept himself humble. Even to the point he didn't complain when they changed his name. A name of Daniel. I'll go into the names later on. But he he went from this beautiful Jewish name into a heathen name. It was like saying, taking your child or somebody, that a little boy or a little girl that you know, and taking the name from them and then calling them the son of Satan. That's basically what Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego was. They were taken from Jewish names to occultist devils. And name that, and I'll go into that later down the line. You know, and... Daniel and his friends purposed that they would set this pattern for the rest of their lives. Whether they lived one more day, they would not compromise on this. And they lived in one of the hardest occultic environments that you could lose your life at the blink of an eye. You, could, you and your family, at the blink of an eye in Babylon, could be put, cast into this big bronze statue they had, into fire in the belly. And you could literally be thrown straight into it. You could be fed to the lions that were kept in the, in the dungeons of the palace and we're going to see all this happening. But you could, you could, not just you, but your whole family could at the blink of an eye, if you did something wrong, or the king that was in a, in a really bad mood, he, he woke up and he just had a, a real bad smell about him. And he thought, right, I'm going to be nasty. And he was nasty. Nebuchadnezzar was the most egotistical, you know, Eglomaniac that you could ever imagine. It was all about him. And you know what? It's just like us today. It's all about us. It's all about what can I get out of for me, 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 me. Me, me, me. What do you think all this whole thing about zodiac signs and the new age and tarot cards and, and going to these enchanters and whatever? Tell me what you've got for me, 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 me. The zodiac signs, these signs were, were from heaven first. And I can prove that from the Bible. And yet the occult stole it from us. But it's all about me, 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 me. Whereas that's the difference between astrology and astronomy. Astrology is all about me. Astronomy is all about him. It's all about him. And I see, do you know what, what I came across a statistic in uh, Charisma magazine? Is that over 50% of God-believing Christians... Today, not in their past, not, you know, B.C., before Christ, A.D., after Christ. They 
go and have their palms read, tarot cards, go into palmistry, uh, um, go into the whole thing of, of, of crystals. We're seeing it in church. 50% is a conservative estimate that people, Christians, go and have this done. Because it's all about me, me. It's not about him, him. And I just love it. I love it in Daniel 3.13. Then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. I think this is one of the bravest things I've ever, ever read in the whole of the Bible. Ever read. Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said unto them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, you do not serve my gods? nor worship the golden image that I have set up, which is me. Now, if you are ready and at the time that you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp and the lyre, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if you worship not, you should be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning, furring furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Is Nebuchadnezzar. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, you have no need to, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If it be so, our God in whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto you, O king, that we will not serve your gods nor worship the golden image that you have set up. Knowing, these three young lads, knowing that when they said those words, their lives were over. Unless God came through. And they went, and we know the whole thing, we're going to look at it in more detail. There is so much in that whole thing about being put through the furnace, put into the fiery flame, because who, would, who, who entered in there? Jesus himself. And what was the first thing that Jesus did? He burned the bonds that bound them. And that's what Jesus, when you have an encounter with the living Lord, he will burn away any bondage that is on you when you're going through the fires of hell. Folks, we're going to go through some storms. No doubt about it. We will go through some, these storms in these next few weeks and months and we will see it coming and getting escalating more and more and more. Because when you look at the last harvest with the sowing of the, 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 uh, the wheat and the tares, it's talking about good and evil growing up alongside each other and they come into full maturity. You haven't even seen the evil that we can see through, the, through history and all the way back down. You haven't seen the fullness of evil until you see the fullness of the end times. And I'm telling you, unless we are not prepared, we will lose our lives and so will our families. But we've got to be prepared to go through the fires of hell of no compromise. It doesn't matter what happens, no compromise. And if you want to read a book, I strongly, strongly recommend you read the book by uh, Richard Von Brandt, I think that's, that's how, where he wrote Tortured for Christ. 
a, a pastor that was brought up in Romania when Ceausescu was in charge, and it was a, 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 such a communist organization, you could not worship the living God. And these, these pastors, do you, know, do you know, after Ceausescu was, was, was pulled down, and you had the whole Romanian revolt of, you know, establishing a, an independent nation of, based on democracy. Do you know what, after that, do you know what qualified you to become a pastor? It wasn't what Bible college you went to. It wasn't how much you, you knew about the word. It wasn't how much you could pray or what you could sing. You were made a pastor and it went in seniority by how long you'd spent in prison. That would, that would unqualify a lot of pastors pretty quick. That would then think about, well, I, do I really want to be in leadership? <laughs> if it means that I'm going to... Richard, this, when he wrote this, he'd been in prison 16 years where his family were, were castigated, they were cast aside, they weren't allowed to buy, they, they, nobody could support them. They, they were literally, their children were ripped away from them you know, and brought up in, in the communist system. This is what every pastor, every born-again Christian lived in. Are we prepared for this? Are we prepared? There are Christians dying as we speak, standing up for their faith, standing up, saying, well, this is what we believe in, and there isn't any compromise. You see, it's, it speaks about, in, in Revelations 13, 5 to 8, but it speaks about, in verse 8, and all that dwell upon the earth, all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of, of life and the Lamb slain from the foundations of the world. You see, everybody around that time, when, when the Antichrist comes on the scene, and Daniel has seen it, we're going to go into it. The whole Antichrist system is there. It's written in Daniel. And it's backed up by John in Revelation. Folks, we are going to go through some times and trials and great tribulations. But just like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, we're going to have to keep our eyes on the Lord the whole way and not compromise. Not compromise, go one thing to the left or one thing to the right. We can't compromise with this world, so we better start doing it now. Don't you think? I always say that if... if if God hasn't got your money, then he hasn't got you. Really, honestly, you know, we should be good givers. I know, I know Bushfire, we are great givers. Absolutely brilliant. We give more than we get in. God's, God has allowed that to happen. Every time we have a conference, it's not about making money. We don't make any money on any conferences that we've had. We try and bless the speakers as best as we can. We would love to give more. But we want to bless each other. I know that people in bushfire really do. But you know, we're going to have to make a choice. We can either worship this world now and compromise and live by what we want, live by our preferences, or we can turn around and say no compromise. No compromise. I'm not allowing gay marriages in churches. I'm not going to allow things and institutions being brought in to certain cities that have been brought in at this moment in time. 
And we've got to start standing up, even against our governments, and saying, this is wrong. There's got to be a body of people that have got to stand up and say, we want to bring prayer back into schools. We want to bring God's ruling back into our cities. We've got to start doing that, but yet we live in almost a heathen society where church does not even matter, let alone influence society. But I'll tell you something. Just like Daniel, God is going to raise up young men, young women, old women, middle-aged, whatever. He's going to have a body of people that are going to rise up and stand for the standards of God. Stand up for holiness. Stand up where it... Do you know what they call adultery now? Extramarital affairs. What an absolute mockery. We try and dilute it. We're now calling evil good and good evil. If you stand up and say, I stand up, that God says that when a man and a woman stand at the front of the church to get married, it's a man and a woman. And yet we're turning our society and it's been forced into churches. Not forced, actually. I'll I'll rephrase that. It will be forced onto churches. If you are registered as a church, you cannot refuse to marry a gay couple. That's in the Constitution. That's, that, that law has already gone through Parliament. And yet I know we've got a bunch of people down in London, good friends of ours, who have got a body of people saying this is wrong. They're lawyers, they're Christian lawyers. They're going against that law that is going to be brought in. We cannot bring it in. Because if we compromise on one thing, we're going to compromise on a load of other things. But let's just get out of church. You're here on a Friday night. I know a lot of Christians that will be in the pubs getting drunk on a Friday night. I know Christians that will be all right. As long as you aren't caught, I can sleep with who I want, both single and married. I know Christians that are in churches, sit on there, that are openly gay and openly practicing it. For me, that is wrong. What is, what is it? What's so different from somebody that is single and is actually saying, well, actually, I don't want to sleep with my girlfriend because God hasn't called me to. You know, or you might have somebody saying, well, actually, it's all right if we do this and we don't go the whole way. Folks, there's no difference. If you touch what you haven't got, then you're in adultery, whether you're married or, or single. That's what the law says. That's what the word says. And we've got to live by these standards. We've got to be holy. I cannot stand it when I hear people using a name that is so precious on my lips, slamming it and damning it. I hate it. I hate it. I would rather that they would rage in my face and call me every name under the sun than take my Lord's name in vain. That's how strongly I feel about it. I've lived it. I say to kids in schools, please, do not take my God's name in vain. Don't swear. Oh, that's not swearing, sir. Yes, it is. It is swearing. I'm a believer. I love that name. And you're using it as a swear word. See, we're now living where evil is good and good is evil. We've already, we've always, we've already passed that mark. And yet the church hasn't woken up to the fact that we're already past a certain mark. 
But now as a church, there's going to be a church that God is going to rise up, just like Daniel, you're going to draw a line in the sand. Demarcation. No more. I ain't going to be swayed one way or the other apart from by what God has called me to be, what God has called me to do, what God is absolutely telling me that I can do. And we've got to draw that line. You've got to individually have a choice of drawing that line. Do you live for yourself out of preference or do you live out of conviction? Daniel 3.18 But if not, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, be it known unto you, O king, that we will serve not your gods nor worship the golden image that you have set up. Yeah. And they purposed within their hearts and they were thrown into a fiery fire and we picked that up and you can read the story and we'll come into it where they go into Daniel 3.25 and you know, Nebuchadnezzar sees four men, not three men in the fire with the Lord walking. You know, when we're going through times of trouble, the Lord will be with us. When we hang on and just say, Lord, I cannot do this without you. Guess what will, will happen to us? We'll have a fire, not from any fire that man has started, we'll have a heavenly fire put on us that no man can put out. And that's what God is doing in this time. We're living in a time where the Shadrach, Meshachs, and the Bedigos and the Daniels are going to rise up. Where there isn't going to be, you're not even going to be able to think about sin, let alone do it. And most Christians struggle and strive about not committing sin. No, it becomes one of choice. That if you choose to live your life for the Lord Jesus, the sin will diminish. It might be big to begin with, but when you purpose within your heart, it diminishes until you overcome it. I'll tell you what we have more in church than anything else. I'm speaking as a pastor. I'm speaking as a leader of bushfire. And something that I'm having, I've had to tackle in my life is competition. There are church leaders that won't even talk to each other. So how on earth can we take a city if church leaders won't come together and they won't talk about you know, strategies and, and saying, we'll stand with you. You know, you, we could take this city if every church leader came according to one plan and one plan is to set down the foundations for Jesus to step on. If we could see that happen, I don't think it's going to happen. I personally don't think it's going to happen. I have good relationships with, with some, some good people, some good leaders. You know, Heidi and I talk to them on the phone. We're talking to some today. Good leaders in Sheffield that we have relationship with. And we've had some, and it's not their fault. You know, I'm not blaming them. I'm not getting on a high horse. You know, some that won't even give us the time of day. So how can I use their gifts if they won't even speak to me? And how can I use the gifts that we've got here? And if we use our gifts and spread them out, we could take the city. Do you realize that? But you know what God has said to me? Andy, just put your hands to the plow and plow the ground that, you, that I've set you on. And if you plow it in the way that I've, I've asked you to do it, I'll make it fertile. I'll plant those seeds and I will get a harvest out of the ground that you plow. So I can't worry what's happening down the road. But if somebody gets this fire... In Sheffield, I'm going to rejoice for them. I'm going to say, Lord, 
I love what you're doing down there. I love what you're doing. I just, I, Lord, will you bless it? Will you multiply it? Will you quadruple it? And then go and catch some of that fire and bring it back here. Folks, we've got to be like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We've got to be so tight. We've got to be so together, so united. No matter what happens, if one of our brothers is in trouble, we're all in trouble. We go and try and sort it out. Excuse me. We've got to be like that. We've got to be like that. Bushfire is great like that. If we see a need, and there's a need that we can do something about, we actually can do it. We can... We can we, we, you know, we have people that rise up in, in, in our little, little midst and say, I can do something about that. Here you go. And they can do it. I love Steve's. I, I love Steve's attitude. I love it. You know, I said, oh, Steve, can you get me some uh, horse manure? Because he's got a good contact. You can go. And he said, Andy, I'll go, I'll go and shovel it. I'll go and shovel some crap for you. I'll go and put it in a few bags. I'll load it into the back of my car. I'll bring it round to you. And we come here. And I said to Heidi, I said, do you know what, Heidi? Steve's a... Uh, Cut the, cut the lawn outside. He's let himself in. God's hefted out a hefty old flipping lawnmower, pushed it around these grounds so that we haven't got grass growing up to our necks. And do you know what? He's never once ever asked us for anything. Never once. Because he's got a servant heart. <clears throat> but I'm just using Steve as an example. I'm just using, you know, because most of us are like that. June came to us. And she said, Andy, here you go. She was the first person to do it when I came out of teaching. And it's really touched my heart. When she said, Andy, here you go. And she just took, took 20 pounds out of her pocket and said, you and Heidi, go and, go and treat yourself. You know, we were so blessed by that. So personally blessed by that. So, you know, where, where people care. Look what we did to Re- uh, Rebecca. You know, she needed some money to go out to Bethel. Uh, not to Bethel, to... Um, Toronto, um, she came to us broken. Broken as broken as you could find. Broken woman. Look at her now. Two years later, she glows like a princess. And it's, it's wonderful to see. And guess what, folks? We did it. Because God put it on our hearts to do it for her and to send her. We may not be able to send everybody else. <laughs> but we sent her. You know, and can I just read you this? Daniel 3.19 Then Nebuchadnezzar, full of fury, and the form of his appearance was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Have you ever spoken to somebody that they've lost it with you and their whole form just changes? Their whole personality just completely and utterly changes in front of you. Have you ever wondered what causes that? It's the same spirit. Same spirit. These are spirits that we're fighting that are operating on people's lives. And they change before you. I remember saying to a lovely, a lovely old lady who was going through great difficulty in a time of incredible trial where her house was just completely demonized. She'd been, but before that, you know, as I went to visit her, I said, you know, um, the Lord spoke to me and he, and he very clearly spoke to me and, and said, go and ask her this question And because she, she was in, in the early stages of dementia and the Lord was going to heal her there and then. But he asked me to, to ask her a question and I, and I went in and had a cup of coffee and 
And I just said, do you like, you know, the way your life is? And, and she hated it. She hated it. And then for a period of about 15 minutes, there was such, ah, oh, there was a beautiful atmosphere in the house. Beautiful. And she had such clarity of mind that I hadn't seen for years. Such clarity. She could tell you what her name, her date of birth, the day, the month, the, you know, what, whatever it was, she had, she had a full compass mentis mind. And she'd had a very difficult marriage for a, a number of years. And I said to this lady, I said, do you know, do you want to be set free of this dementia confusion? And she said, I'd love to. I said, well, here's what the Lord has told me to tell you. Can you forgive your husband? And she went, I will. And before she could even say the word never, her whole form just changed in front of my eyes. And the demonic just poured in. I will never. She never regained her mind. Never. Ever regained her mind. She died. Eventually, you know, she was running out of the house naked, being chased by demons. And we had to put her into her home and, you know, I went and visited her and she never, she would remember me, funny enough, she'd always remember me. She'd always remember my name. One of the few people that she ever remembered was me. And we would sit there and we would just talk and Hardy and I would just, you know, go there and, and just try and bless her. You know, we didn't do as much as we could have done, but we tried to do the best that we could. But she never regained it. You see, folks, we've got to be very careful what we say. But, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they faced this demonic change in Nebuchadnezzar from one minute to the next. Therefore he spoke and commanded that they should heat the furnace seven times more than was usually heated. Folks, this is speaking that in this day, the seventh church age is going to get seven times hotter. In other words, it's going to be hotter than it's ever been before. We're going to have persecution like there's never been before. I keep saying, what you saw in the concentration camps in Germany and Poland is going to be nothing compared to when the Antichrist really shows his true colours. And we're living in that day. He is, a ri he is rising up right now. Right now as we speak, as we breathe, he is speaking and he is breathing. He is going to come on to this political front on this political stage, as we see things like, who would have thought just a month ago that we would be on the brink of war, that you'd have all the world leaders gathered in Paris talking about one issue, Russia, going into the Crimea. And taking... You've got to realise that Crimea is part of uh, Ukraine. And you've got a Russian president, Prime, Prime Minister Putin, who has said... There are more Russians living in, in Crimea that we want them back. And he's sent his troops in. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's like first, this, this is the first things of, of World War Three breaking out. But because of the power that Russia have got, because of what they carry, all the leaders are trying to do it, well, rightly, through negotiation. But it's unheard of in a democratic society that another society walks in and takes it all over. We want it back used to be part of Russia. Oh, talk to them when they marched into Ukraine and took the whole of Ukraine over. 
But it speaks about this, that the heat of the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. It's speaking about our day and age. In the seventh church age, this is going to get pretty fiery and pretty hot. Folks, if we're not seeing things prophetically, we're not seeing... Yeah. We see in Daniel, you know, just like the whole overview of Daniel, you know, where he said then that you, that you couldn't pray. There were people that were in opposition against Daniel now because he was getting favor. We just see that in, in Daniel 2 when, when Daniel, you know, interprets the dream. That dream is incredible. It's got more significance on us today than it did in Nebuchadnezzar's time. And we'll go into that in quite a lot of detail because <clears throat> we have to understand these end times. We have to see it through the eyes of Daniel. We have to understand what Daniel was going through, we're going to go through. And we've got a choice. We can either stand up tonight and say, Father, I'm not going to go to the left or the right. I'm going to walk the road that you've given me. And my preference isn't going to be a preference of this world. It's going to be a preference I want to live by my convictions for you, Lord. I want to live by that. I want to follow it to the day that I die or until you return. Whatever, whichever way it's going to happen. I love it because Daniel did this with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, did it and they never once compromised, never once. They looked death in the eye on more than one occasion and they still never, ever compromised. Because Daniel 12 verse 13, go on your way till the end, Daniel. You shall have rest. In other words, Daniel, you're going to die and stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. But then he goes on, seal this book up, Daniel. Seal up. Because this is going to be of more relevance to a bunch of people right down the ages. It's going to be the last church age. You're going to die and you're not going to see this come to pass. But these group of people will. So we've got to understand what was happening in Daniel's day is relevant to our day. So my question to you is this. By what are we going to live our lives? Are we going to live our lives out of preference for the things of this world? Or are we going to live a life out of conviction for the Lord? You know, and God is not interested in what we do. He's interested only in why we do it. He's more interested about our character and our attitudes more than anything else. Just like David, you can fall. You can make yourself as muddy as you want. I mean, we all fall short of the glory of God. That's what the word says. We all fall short of that glory. But the thing I love about David is he knew how to repent. He knew how to, to put sackcloth on, do whatever he had to do, and he was quick to repent. So even if you fall, pick yourself up. That's what God's interested, more interested in. He sees you through the eyes of Jesus, what he did on the cross for you. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off, run from whatever you fell from, never to return or until you overcome it. And we do it by stage. We do it by choice. We can choose to follow the high road, the higher things of God, or we can choose to follow the low things of God. That's our choice. But if we choose to go from the higher things of God, living a life worthy of him, loving him with all of our hearts, loving one another, and fulfilling those two beautiful commandments we will fulfill all of them if we can get those two things right 
when we can't even think, let alone do something against our brother or sister, we'll be in a good place. So I want the best. I want you to go further than I've ever gone. And I think that God is, is so, our gifts are so low on God's eyes, in God's eyes, so low. We can have amazing gifts, as Paul says, but if we have not love, it's, it's useless. Forget it. If you haven't got love for God and you know where it's coming from and you're doing this out of your love for him, that you want the glory to go to him, you don't want any of his glory sticking on yourself. You know, when this goes big and it goes vinyl, <laughs> it's the only way I can say it, this is going to go big and it's going to go vinyl. It's going to get so much bigger than you can even imagine. I want you to go further with this. I want you to go higher than I've ever been. I want you to go longer than I could ever go. That's my heart. I mean that. Because God, if he, he, if he can trust me with that, and if he can trust you with that, so the people that you have coming alongside you, you will do. Each and every one of you will have somebody come alongside you. Your heart should be that they should go higher and further than you can ever go. But with good character. With good character. And I'm going to go into that probably next week in a little bit more detail about that. You know, and we have such, I've just seen as a Christian, I became a Christian around about 1987, 88. But in the short time that I've become a Christian, even I can see that standards in, in, in the church have fallen, have fallen drastically. And do you know what church is about now? Performance and entertainment. It's all about performance and entertainment. And we can't do that. We cannot be about performance. I will not have performance on that stage. Trevor knows that, Heidi knows that. If people come along and they start performing on that stage, I'll close it down. If somebody comes up there and starts performing, I'll shut it down. I had an experience with the Lord very early on in my days. You know, in, in, after 2003, when God hit us, I started having visions and dreams and encounters with the Lord like I've, I've never known was possible. And one of the things that he showed me in a, in a night vision was on stage, all the musicians, it wasn't Heidi, it was another, you know, other people were there, and there was a great crowd of people, all cripples, blind, deaf, all, you know, horrible ailments, you know, all filling this whole stadium. And the musicians were all trying to tune up and get the sound right. And I thought, come on, guys, we've got to get going. You know, God wants to move. And then God said, go. And I jumped off the stage in the dream, the vision that I saw myself. And I just started laying on hands. And whoever came, and I was laughing so much, it was that easy. Just, just saying, be healed. And people would just be healed in their 20s, 30s, 50s, 100s. All these people were being healed. And then eventually everybody was just about gone from the field. And then the Lord pointed me to a, to a group of people that were cripples. They couldn't come to me. And he said, Andy, you've got to go to them. So that was a, you know, a bit of a telling off. Don't forget about the small things or the big things. You know, you've got to go to them. So I went up there and they were all healed. It was a fantastic vision. And then I jumped on the stage and I started closing up my notes. I didn't need any of that. I just didn't need it. And then the guys, the musician, the band said, right, we're ready to go. 
And I said, yeah, pull the plug. <laughs> There's no one here. Because they're more interested about performance and getting the sound right than they did about their convictions of the Lord. We've got to be about that, folks. If we're coming to church, I know you guys aren't, you wouldn't be here on a Friday night. You're not here to, for me to perform before you. You're not here to, to listen to Heidi's wonderful worship, you know, and Angela's singing and, and Trevor and, you know, and, and all the, the people on the stage. You're not here for that. You're here to connect with him. You're here to say, Lord, I love you no matter what. I choose to be here because I cannot be in a greater place than this than being in your presence. God is looking. He's crying out for a bunch of people for that. I don't do this to get accolades from people. I do this because God has called me to do it. And I'm only obeying him. I'm only just living by, by his convictions. What he wants for me to do. Do you know, you know I, I'd rather, there are times when I'd rather just get out and just, just play. <laughs> I'd rather just, sometimes I'd rather just go out and just do something else, you know, and yet I know that I've got a talk to do on a Friday night and I've got to spend hours preparation and prayer and, and you know, writing it all out and then producing a PowerPoint, etc., etc. But I do it because this is what God has called me to do. And I love it. I love being obedient to God. I love it. You know, I, I, re I read something really sad. Can you remember that, that lovely old boy who used to have the placard and walk along... Uh, Cedric, down in, uh, in, in Fargate, you know, and uh, there's this, this man who absolutely has heard from God, has put this board on, he's made himself unpopular and loved all at the same time, and then he's dead, he died, he went out for a walk, came home, his daughter said, went into the chair and just fell asleep. Isn't that a beautiful way to go? Because he was faithful, he's in the, he's in the place of glory now where God has said, you know, him and his brother used to do amazing things, amazing things with kids. You know, and he, you know, he was in his 90s when he died. And I read something, you know, that saddened my heart. You know, when they were trying to give this guy in an article, you know, acclamation, you know, saying, you know, great that this guy was doing it. And he said, and then in, 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 in sort of like brackets, it was saying, well, actually, you know, if holding a placard or putting a placard on yourself isn't really your cup of tea, or isn't my cup of tea, but... He still did this. And I thought, how, how condescending is that? To a guy as faithfully, year after year, day, week after week, gone down to places like Fargate with a, with a board on his back for years. So what if it isn't your cup of tea? Seriously. He heard God and he obeyed it. Absolutely. I haven't got a problem with that haven't got a problem. I, I, I honour that guy. He had more courage than I have. He probably had more courage than most of us sat here. I'll tell you that now. So we've got to be different. We've got to have light on us. And we've got to give God all the honour that is due his name. Everything. All the honour, all the glory has got to go to him. Full stop. It doesn't get much more simple than that. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other cares of the world. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. 
don't worry about all of that. You know, we, we, know, the, we know the whole thing with Solomon. Look at the lilies of the, of the field. Well, Solomon in all of his splendor wasn't dressed like one of these, which is geared to go today and gone tomorrow and thrown in the fire. But how much more does God care for you when you live to bring glory to his name? We've got to give ourselves fully to God. Fully. We've got to give everything to himself, to him. For simple reasons, because we love him. We just, I don't have to prove anything. I don't have to prove anything to anybody. I don't have to prove anything to God. He loves me no matter what I do. Well, no, that's not quite true. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And he loves you. But I'm driven out of my love for God now more than I've ever been in any time of my life. These last 10 years, 11 years that Heidi and I got blasted in 2003, do you know there's been some really tough times? Really, really tough times. And we're guaranteed tough times. But you know what? I would go through those tough times again tomorrow to be where I am today with the Lord. I love him. I'm not being religious about anything. I know now I can just walk into my little place. I can say for five minutes, Jesus, I love you with all of my heart. I love you with everything that I've got. I don't have to spend hours in there. I just have to tell him, you know, snatch these times with him during the day. I just go in, I just say, Lord, I love you with everything that I have got. I am just covered in your love, in your mercy, in your grace. Lord, I just love you for that. I love you and I thank you, Jesus, for everything that you put in my path. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for everything that you give me. But Lord, me, let me be grateful for everything that you give to me. Let me be grateful. I'm going to talk about that next week, how you can get those blessings from God. It's not a simple measure, but you've got to start with small things. Do you, truly do you truly appreciate where you are in God now? Do you truly love God now? I know you all do. You wouldn't be here. All of you are here because you love him and you want to know more of him. This is going to get a lot deeper, folks. This is just like an overview of the whole book of Daniel. It's going to get a lot deeper. We're going to have a look at how we're going to see the similarities of what Daniel was saying, how it completely fits into us. And the more that I've gone into this, like the next talk is only on the first two verses. And it probably might be two talks. <laughs> you know, I'm going to try, try and just tailor it. You know, but it's colossal. But this is the overview. There's no compromise. Daniel purpose within his, his whole life for 80 years when he left Jerusalem, never to see those, those, those bricks again. Never to see it again. He was held down, castrated, taken into this such demonic practice. And he purposed, it doesn't matter, Lord, if I lose my life, I'm going to live it for you. If I have to live five more minutes, Lord, I'm going to live it for you. Don't you want a bit of that? So, Father, I pray now for each and every one of us before we go into any discussions. I pray over each and every one of us, Lord, and anybody hearing my voice. Lord, let us live out of conviction for you. Let us live a life of love for you. 
that everything that we do, we are driven by our love for you first. And Father, we purpose in, in tonight or today, we purpose within our hearts, Lord, now to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness in our lives. And Lord, we will not compromise to things of this world. Lord, we will not compromise to it. But Lord, we will stand up for the truth. In Jesus' name. Amen. Here's a bit of breaking news for you. I don't know if you've heard about Birmingham. What's breaking out in Birmingham? There's been a, a document that's been given to the media by a concerned citizen about, um, I'm not putting any fear into you. you know, I believe this is going to escalate, but God has got a plan and he's got a purpose about this. But there's an escalation of um, bringing in Muslim control into schools in the whole of Birmingham, where the Muslim hardliners that want to bring in Shari law are now going to parents in Birmingham schools that are failing and saying, we must rebel against the teachers, we must rebel against their head, we're going to rebel against the, 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 the school um, government, the school uh, governors, we're going to rebel against them, and we're going to get them kicked out. And then we're going to put our people in. And then they will, they will bring back in all of the Muslim rules into our schools. Instead, we should have a bit of, I was going to say a word there, we should have a bit of balls. You know, our government have got to have a bit of balls now. And they've got to say, do you know what? If you don't want to live in our Christian society or with our Christian values, then there's another freedom that you can have. Leave. Leave. But you know what? Society is not influenced you don't even care about our principles or God's commandments. You don't even care about us. There's got to be a body of people that stand up. Four schools have gone that way in Birmingham. There's another one, fifth one, that's going through, uh, going through um, the law courts. Right? And this letter has been leaked and, uh, uh, into... Sorry, this, this whole way of doing it has been leaked into Bradford. Where they're going is, we're doing this in Birmingham, you can do it in Bradford. And then it will go to Leicester. There are the three cities that are over 50% they're Muslim. But folks, we're not to fear these things when we hear them in the news. We're to ask the question of why. Why, Lord? Why is this happening? I'll go more to, into that next week. Any questions? Before Heidi comes and answers them. Any thoughts? I've got the microphone. Yeah. If anybody's got any thoughts, anything they want to say, maybe like a sweet. Yeah. Sorry, Ian. So we can get on the on the. Re you don't know. We want to hear because other people are, are hearing this and are being encouraged by it. Yeah. Um, Hello. Um, just you was mentioning about the schools. It's happening, I believe, in every area of life, you know. Uh, Absolutely. I was just reading the other day about Luton Airport, about yeah. smashing English toilets up so they can have a hole in the floor, you know, stuff like that. You know, and that just, to me, is just seeing 
what they want through their eyes. So. Talking about the Muslims. Yeah, the Muslims. Yeah, but you know, you can also see that in how humanity people view things. They want yeah. what they want. You know. Yeah. And it, yeah. It's well, here's here's what I see with Muslims. <coughs> I see God is going to double trump the devil. The devil's trying to cause all of this. So in this whole thing of you know um, xenophobia, you know anybody Muslim you're going to hate them. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're all going to be frightened about bringing in Sharia law. No, mm. what God's going to do is turn them. He's going to make them from Saul's into Paul's. Mm. And there's going to be a movement of God amongst the Muslims in this nation mm. that will, will turn their right-wingness, you know, their, their, their hard line of, of Muslim, and they're just going to turn it around and they're going to be even harder for the Lord. That's what God's going to That's the God I know. Mm. That's the God that I'm going to trust in. That's the God that instead of this thing of you know, having this fear on us, they're going to become the next raging evangelists to go into Pakistan or to go into Afghanistan. They're going to go into Sudan. They're going to go into all of these places. And many will lose their lives, but they'll be absolutely on fire for God. And, and if they can pray to, to a false God three times a day, imagine what they're going to do when they pray three times to the real God a day. That's what I believe. Yeah. Also, you were talking about the, the line. Uh, demarcation. De demarcation. You know, that word demarcation, it came to me as sanctification. Yeah. Yeah, it was just, you know, you draw a line in, drawing, yeah. and you just say, well, I'm not going to cross it. Mm. You know, that's the line, I'm not going to budge from that. But there's also an action, it's a working out. Yep. You know, and, and, and this is, I believe, we all struggle, you know, and, and trying to work out, you know, how to move forward. It's not, it's not that hard. How, how can we move forward? How can we? <laughs> yep. Now I'm in trouble. It's the wife talking. No, no. <laughs> no, I just think it's a thought for perhaps discussion. And, yeah. um, <clears throat> because it's interesting because mm. Daniel and, and, and the three, three guys, I love that. <laughs> Is it God? Oh, he's got the answer. Excellent. Um, Yep. In just a few minutes. <laughs> That's... Oh, I concentrated the love. Buddy, just... just <laughs> Get him on the phone. Um, Thanks, Peter. That... Good lad. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I the answer was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yes. Okay, they didn't go out looking for trouble. They didn't go out like... You know, not that we know of. Yeah. They didn't make their banners. Not that I, I totally think we need to make our opinions known when it's relevant. I think we really need wisdom, don't we? Um, certain things you do pro protest about, certain things you go on the streets or whatever, or write to Parliament or write to whoever. But it's interesting, it doesn't seem to say that I've picked up, that they like would go out of their way to make a point. They, they knew. Well, they did. Yes, they did. They did. When, they were push, when push came to shove, though. No. When Daniel was told not to pray, not to do this, what did he do? He flung open the curtains of his house yeah. for everybody to see him do it. Okay, that's true. What I meant was, I suppose, is that he didn't, before that was put on him, he could have easily rebelled against the whole nature of the government and, yep. and all the rituals and the yuck of the occult. Yeah. That's what I mean. And he didn't, like, go out saying, you are, you know, you sinners, repent. That's but right. I, mean, I guess if God had told him to, he definitely would have done because he definitely had the... Um, it's the just thing is that, that God knew plan that he had for Daniel was mm -hmm. to go to the king. Yeah. 
Nebuchadnezzar, because if you read about the life of Nebuchadnezzar, he came to the Lord. <laughs> mm. He recognised the God of Daniel yeah. as being the God. So, right, because I totally get what Ian's saying, is like we need to learn how, God, do you want us to work this out in our lives? And I do think that God brings things into our situations in individually, doesn't he, circumstances. For instance, for me personally, um, there's a, a mum of another, of a friend of Joshua's who, who I'm friends with, and, um, and the last time we got together, um, Joshua started saying to the little girl, um, oh, yeah. you, need to, you need to love Jesus. Do you want to go to heaven or hell? And she said, heaven. And he said, you need to love Jesus. And then he said to her, tell your little sister, tell her. And, um, and I thought, oh, that's so gorgeous. And I thought, but the mum might think I'm trying to what's indoctrinate, indoctrinate her child. And she might like be switched off to me. So I said, look. I just want you to know, this is what's just happened. And Joshua came out with that. And I just, I said, you know, do you learn about Jesus at school? And then she said, oh, you know, a little bit. And I'm just like thinking, um, I hope she's still going to want to be friends with me. <laughs> but I'm prepared that she might not. And this is this sort of similar situation has happened with somebody else. And, you know, it kind of hurts because this is your child that you're talking about. But at the same time, it's like this is a situation that's br being brought into my home. And it's like... God, you know, how do you want us to deal with that? And there's, I mean, there's no compromise, but I'm not looking to offend anybody, and I'm not, I'm not looking to, you know, for anybody to feel like, I oh, know, Heidi's trying to preach at me. So, so yeah, I just think it's a thought, isn't it? I know June's got something bubbling there. I can see the way you moved. Well, no, I mean, I'll offend. <laughs> well, I do believe... And I don't think I'm on my own that if the Lord would come now, you know, and there was <laughs> that that Daniel and, I mean, Joshua and his friends would be in the presence of the Lord because they've not got to that age whether they can embrace or, you know, accept or deny him, in, in, you know. So really, God was using you for the parent see where the parent is, you know, because a child can go and speak. And, uh, you know, that's a good uh, platform to say, well, uh, you know, <laughs> what has happened? And when they go before, either they go before a judge or they go to give an account as a child of the living God, they can't say they haven't had this brooch, you know, the fact that they need Jesus in their lives. And you see, it says out of the mouths of babes and sucklings. And there it was. And my granddaughter, my youngest one, she, she was not nine, probably even younger. And there's a little Jewish boy in her class. And she said, I said, oh, have you been praying for them all? Because she was asking me about Bible stuff. And she says, yes. And I did say to him, uh, do you believe in Jesus? Well, obviously, it'd be like a time bomb, I suppose. But the thing was that there, you know, it, it, I believe God's allowing these things for us to get opportunity to, yep. uh, for him to be spoken about. Either the child going home and saying, oh, it's Jesus, or whatever. Because sad to say, they're not learning at school. They're learning so much stuff, they don't really know one thing from another. It's so diluted. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's it, you know, and the fact is that it's, for me, it's really simple. You know, this is going to come our way. 
without a shadow of a doubt, we've got to be prepared to lose friends. You know, when we literally went whole hog out for Neville Johnson, we lost friends. You know, we lost some good friends uh, because we believe in Neville's word. We need, believe in his message. We believe in what he's carrying and he's become an incredibly good friend of ours. You know, and, you know, I love the man. You know, he is not God. He's just a man. You know, but I love what he teaches. I, want, I love what he preaches. But, you know, we love his heart. That's exactly it. We love his heart. But then you are going to be saying things to some people that's going to be offensive to them. You're going to lose people. When you say, people are going to say to you, are you a believer of that blah, 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 bleep, bleep? You're going to say, oh, you know what? I love him. I love him with all my heart. Mm. You're a fool. Mm. Also, I mean, you're probably going to pick this up in your talk in, in the future, but I mean, we know that the uh, churches in Revelation are the different ages, and yep. the last one, that's the right. seven, yep. is the one that's hot and cold. I'm about to spew you out. And the actual Laodicea means rule by the people. Yeah. And let's Control face it, that is exactly what's going on. You know, in, whether it's in a, uh, just in a city's uh, carry-on, you know, we want Sharia law type of thing, yeah. or whether it's in, 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 in a, on the country level. There is a much, allegedly at least, uh, wanting rule by the mob, if you like, rule by the law. But we know often, even with Jesus, when they demanded crucify him, they know that they got the mobsters to go and, and mix him with the crowd. And, uh, you know, so we know that the enemy is behind whatever goes on. That is not what God wants. Just keep it short, Peter. I'll tell you what I see, mate, from my perspective, uh, Andy. Yeah. When you look at God, right, it's like an heartbeat. Moment to every heartbeat. That, that is, that's what God is to me, in a way. We are that heartbeat. We are God. Everything's lifeless. And if you look at everything now, basically, just at world, full of anxiety, it's full of opposing. Absolutely. Opposing that. It's yeah. full of, like, um, it's full of irregularities. You know, you know what I mean. Um, yeah. It's full of darkness as we know in that respect handy but what i'm saying basically god is a heartbeat in my life from what i see and all this anxiety uh, that we seem to be having that it seems to be keeping uh, within us all you know and all this kind of thing anxiety it seems to be everything if it's money worries or whatever we everybody anxiety and waiting this waiting game throughout world for, for things you know material things and that and uh, yeah. And uh, it seems to be all just to what's happened, and it seems to have happened from why we've took away heartbeat of God. It's because uh, people want to, people want to, like you've said earlier, Andy, they want to look after themselves, don't want to set out, out of the comfort zone. They refuse to set out, set out of the comfort zone and seek and, and be truthful with how God is to them, you know, what he, what, what he should mean and what they know he means, but he, they deny it because they've got millions of pounds, etc. And that darkness is created by these multimillionaires a lot in it because it's they're, they're kind of agents for governments. You know, governments are the agents uh, for government. Yep. They're, they're controlling governments, these billionaires. And while ever that amount of darkness 
taking away, you know, a no true heartbeat of God in this existence that they try to keep us all in anxiety and waiting, waiting for material and money. This takes away just the true spirit of God. And, and, and as, as I say, I think when, when we do see God in his fullness, we'll see something that is so hard, so uh, such a delight that will astound us real bad, Andy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Something what's really, you know, imagine unconditional everything. Yeah. Unconditional everything. This world's full of conditions. Unconditional everything. That means that I think that God and me, he could say, you could have everything you want, yeah. but and when, you, when I give it you, I can give, I'll give it you because I know that you will still love me because this world will be modified away from all these billionaires what create darkness and anxiety and waiting game. See, see how I said, Peter? Yeah, what you God know. is looking for is these billionaires and millionaires to come out of darkness yeah. into the light of God. Because they're the agents for the government. They're, they're, the, they're, the, um, they're the agents running the government. It's one thought. That's what they mm. are. That is what they are. We yeah. don't see them. They're like Lucifer. We don't see them. Yeah. But they're just under from a under from governments, aren't it all? I also, I also, Peter. I, you know, I know what you're saying. But you know what I mean, Andy, about this yeah. waiting game. Yeah, but I, I know, I know what and you're anxiety, saying. And anxiety, isn't it? But I also know some really good, yeah, really good godly men and godly yeah. women, you know, who are millionaires. Yeah, yeah, they, they are there. But the world now, as it's living, Andy, the waiting game it's waiting for, in for God, it's for just anxiety, materialism. Yeah, and just um, kind of unsureness and unhappiness. I think the majority of people. That's what it is. And fear. Yeah, when we when we thought, you know, when God does show Himself, He'll show us such such a greatness and unconditionalness. Yeah, He, he would unconditionally give us everything, but we know He trusts us yeah. to still love Him, just just like we do with nothing. Okay, brilliant, fantastic, well done, Peter. That's yeah, right. good one. Anybody? Absolutely, I, I get what you're saying. Absolutely. There's, there are more people full of anxiety and fear than I, I've known ever before. And the Bible says when this gets really bad, people are going to literally die of heart attacks throughout fear. Yet if we've got our eyes on Jesus, we have no fear. Because what? Cast out all fear? Love. love. Cast out all fear. Love is all you need. Anybody else want to say anything? Anybody got anything? Andrew, you've been delving. You've been delving into your... Uh, Whatever. <laughs> so, folks, can I just say something? That, that, that people are actually listening to these talks. People are listening to these questions in time of, you know. So don't get nervous, Andrew. There's just thousands upon thousands of people. Millions. Um, I just was reflecting on this, um, you know, the thing about... Uh, you know, how whether Daniel was kind of going out of his way or whether he was just doing... Because that's an interesting thing of like... Yeah. So you, you were saying about he, he actually opened the doors, you know, whilst he might not have done that on previous days. I, I envisage that he would have prayed in the direction of Jerusalem yeah, every absolutely. day. Um, and I suppose it's the other things of like they... I don't think Daniel, for the whole of his life, chose to have the diet that he had. It was just for that period no. of time, wasn't it? Well, we, um, we, don't, we don't really know that, but he wouldn't have compromised at eating pork, yeah. which is on the king's table. Yeah. You know, Daniel might have followed that fast, and we're going to talk a little bit about that next week. You know, so I'm not going to preempt anything, but yeah. yeah. You see, from day one, Daniel 
purpose within his heart not to compromise. And when you think that you know, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they did stick out like sore thumbs because they were the only ones that when the music was playing, they didn't bow down. Mm. So yeah. they stood up. They refused to bow down. So they were making a point. We ain't bow- bowing to that, uh, that image. Yeah, that was just my yeah, yeah. thinking of what I needed to say. Lawrence, I mean, uh, Trevor, you want to say? Um, well, I was just thinking about, um, like, it's about fear of man, isn't it? Talking about yeah. not wanting to be rejected. And I, I wonder, I think God brings us through a process of being rejected by people, doesn't he? Yeah. It's not that we get hard-hearted, but we get used to not being scared of what people think. Yeah, And that sure. kind of gradually comes away, doesn't it? I think the Lord's really gracious and he does it quite slowly and gently. So yep. he gets us to a place where you know, we don't fear what people think anymore. Yep. See, I, I, I love it. You know, we've got a t- choice. This is what the word says. You know, God will send out the fishermen. In other words, he will do exactly what Trevor's done, saying, you know, God sends out the fishermen, makes it nice and really easy for us. Um, and when we don't respond to that, he sends out the hunter. He will force us to make an issue or will force us to make a decision you know, about that certain area. How do we know that? Because you remember a guy called uh, Theodore Herzl wrote a book in 1885-86, around then, calling every Jew back to Zion, back to Israel. In 1885, was calling them all the way back. That was the fishermen that God sent to reel back all the Jews back to the homeland. They didn't respond. There was only, listen to this, a remnant company that went back to Israel. Only a remnant. God always has remnants of people. Yeah, there's going to be a remnant body of people that are going to start living like Daniels. Um, and when they didn't respond as a Jewish nation to come back, what did he do? He sent out the hunter. Who was the hunter? Hunters? The Nazis. Drove them back. 1948, after seeing what was happening in concentration camps, opened up the door for the Jews to return back to their homeland. In one day, they were signed as a nation. But it took millions of Jews to, you know, to go through that. Yeah, I was just going to say about um, uh, Muslims as well. I used to be a secondary school teacher and used to be an RE teacher <laughs> and yeah. work with a lot of um, uh, Muslim kids. Yeah. And uh, they have no respect for most Christians. <laughs> no whatsoever. But, but I don't have respect for most Christians. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, if you said, if I said to them, I don't believe in sexual marriage and stuff like that, They'd, they'd actually have a real respect and a lot of Muslim communities like real true deep yeah. authentic Christianity they have a lot of respect for it yeah absolutely but they, I think they just don't see it very much so I, it, I think it's just very exciting I think we'll see lots of Muslims become Christians but oh abs- we're going to see them come on fire for God you know they're, they're, they're going to they're be flocking into churches saying give me the truth give, give me give me the real thing the real McCoy not what you're taught in Bible college not you know, listen, folks, that's not worked for over 2,000 years. It's not worked in the way that we've done it for 2,000 years. Let's just, just hang our hands, hats on that. It has not worked. If anything, it's driven people more away from God than to God. There's going to be a re- company people. There's going to be a remnant company of people that God is going to be sending out as fishermen. And this catch, if we read the, in the New Testament, is going to be huge. The net isn't going to break. But then what we have to do is teach other people to become fishermen.
But then we're about to see all of this unfold in 2014 and 15. We're going to be into it. Really into it. Yes, Ian. Yes. Mentioned, hello. You mentioned about remnants. Uh, I'm just thinking about Romans 8, where it says the sons and uh, all of creation. Romans 8, 21. Yes. That all creation cries out for yes, the sons of God to be revealed. Is, is this the time you believe? Yeah, that? absolutely. Yeah. Totally. This, this is that. This that is sons, the maturity. You yeah, believe. the sons of God there, where it talks about, it's the huios, it's the fully matured yeah. sons, of, sons of God that will be revealed because this, this earth is groaning. Folks, we're about to see a body of people that are totally unqualified for this. <laughs> Us, rise up. Now, we will get slammed for just saying that. We'll get slammed for believing that. You'll be an elitist. No, that's what the Bible says. There's always a remnant body of people that keep true to the word of God. And that's us. I can take you right the way through, you know, Nehemiah, you know, whole thing about this remnant company, you know, that remains true to the, to, to the word. We love the word, don't we? Yes. We love the word, and we've got to remain true to it. True to it. Folks, there's, some, there's got to be a body of people that have got to influence this society. We've got to influence education. We've got to influence business. We've got to influence media. The devil is running a mock in media. He's running a mock in, in education. He's running, you know, the seven, seven pillars of society. He's, he's got them. But you know what? What their, what their foundation is so thin that the devil has got this, this, the whole seven pillars of society, but on his foundation is so thin. And it's gonna, this is what the, the rock that's going to smash the, the feet it's going to do. It's going to bring down this. We're going to have a revolution of Jesus. There's going to be a body of people that are going to be so on fire for him. They're going to, oh, yeah, go on about. I think also that we can, um, from you know, in terms of what I feel the Lord's saying to us, um, I feel that we can so easily get distracted by thinking, oh, you know, what you're saying about, you know, if somebody needs to rise up and, you know, the government, society needs to know this. But when push comes to shove and you've got your everyday life <laughs> in front of you, we can only do what's in front of us. And yeah. it's like, what has the Lord, what does the Lord require of me and what does the Lord require of you today? And, you know, it, yes, it links with your destiny. So you can, you know, in terms of long-term thing, but it just happens through the everyday stuff. I really believe that. And it happens behind closed doors. Yeah. And it's, it's not about, you know, the glamour on a Sunday morning or the glamour of, of what's on stage on a Friday night. You know, we know that. <laughs> Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. <laughs> but the fact is, it's not about that. And, we, and it's just about, you know, it's, it's the simple stuff, isn't it? It's the simple stuff at home between well, families. But what's, what's, yeah, but what's the simple thing? It's, it's the love. God it's the and love, it's love, love for each other with all of our hearts. and it's working in whatever out we're doing. that's right but it's working out that love you know with each other and you know it's like bearing fruit and I was talking with Joshua today and we went in the park and he was collecting pine cones for the fire and um, you know I was trying to be educational seeing as we do home ed <laughs> I was talking about you know the pine cones that's 
that's the fruit of the tree. And in the, in the pine cones is the seed. And uh, you were just talking about that. And he's learning the nine fruits of the spirit off by heart and, you know, with a song. And I said, so, you know, if, we're be- if we bear fruit, and I started to list them and he joined in. Love, joy, peace. <laughs> Joins in. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then he said, and there is no law. <laughs> he added on the end. And I was just thinking about that. You know, I was saying, well, if we bear that fruit, so if I act in kindness... In, and, you know, I effectively give kindness to somebody and I'm giving them some fruit and in that fruit is seed and that fruit for that person, they can choose to consume it and for that seed to take root in them or they can discard it. But I was just like, just thinking about, you know, it's those simple things that I'm personally working through, you know, and I've got visions and dreams of seeing multitudes saved and, and you know, in worship, you know, for... for them to get totally healed and restored just when, you know, I touch the keyboard because I believe, you know, it's going to come to that at some stage. But where I am now, I'm just still working through the simple things. And, you know, what happens, you know, when we worship together, I love that and I, t- I really get blessed and I get blessed, you know, in all of that. But at the end of the day, it's behind those doors, isn't it? What really happens in our hearts, our attitudes, like Andy was saying. And another thing I feel that me God speaking about you know it's really interesting looking at what's happening in Ukraine and Russia and um, and it, I feel that's been an attempt of Satan you know even even with us and individuals in bushfire and families is that God's wanting to tangle our feet up he wants us to get bothered with what's happening here and now right now as it were around our feet and whilst we're consumed and distracted with with what's happening there you know, the niggles, the problems, the frustrations. The real enemy is coming in, getting all his men in place, ready to do a massive takeover. And before you know it, you know, you've just been knocked off your feet. And I just feel that God's saying to us, you know, and we've been saying this anyway, just keep our eyes on the Lord. Do not be distracted by the frustrations that are around your feet. And keep focus on the Lord so that the enemy will not come in and take ground. I know I'm kind of preaching to those who know it all already, but. <laughs> in Crimea, uh, uh, there is actually um, a few to mention about there's only nine days left uh, to resolve this, or they're going to take the land themselves. Well, they've taken it. They've already t- <laughs> taken, it, taken it. But they've actually d- yeah, spoke. There's, there's no ways that you know, they're going to hand they're it back. They're not going to go back, yeah. Sorry, do you want to? Okay. Evidently, there's going to be a referendum at the weekend. Amongst the Crimeans, Crimeans. whether they want to choose. Yeah, and of course, most of them are Russian, so they'll choose to go back to Russia. Well, so Crimea, you know, Russia will get Crimea. But what, what the locals are saying is a lot of people have been transported across the borders from Russia yeah. into these areas. Yeah. But you've got to ask yourself why? What, why is. Crew, why is, why is the Crimea, a place where the Russians want. Because of the ports. Absolutely. They've got all their ships. They're naval. It's funny. It's I was twofold. Watch, I was watching um, part of the opening ceremony of the Paralympics oh, yeah. today. And as the Americans came in, the song that they were playing was Goodbye America. Wow. Wow, that's prophetic. 
Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Goodbye, America. Come on, come on, America, then beat them on the medal table. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other, the other reason why they got into Crimea was on the Black Sea. What's on the Black Sea? It's where every Russian goes for their summer vacation. There's lots of money, what Peter was saying. Lots of money being crammed in by these billionaire Russians in those areas. So it's twofold. One is that they've got their naval base there, which get, they will protect. And two is they've got a lot of Russian businessmen backing the Kremlin to move in, to secure it. I can't see them doing that to Blackpool, can you? <laughs> About Cedric. Just for some reason, that banner he had where he said, I'm, "Jesus is the truth and the life." Yeah. Everything else is opposing that. Yeah. And as I say, we all owe it to 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 God, and we owe it to ourselves, but also to God. But um, what I'm saying about Cedric, what that banner used to have about the truth and the life. Yeah. That is when you think about it, like that's a song, you know. There's God is the only real reality at the end of the day. We've, that is the only way to look at it, it in the most honest ways, the simplistical ways, and uh, that's the only reality. While ever we deny, as we say, um, presence of God in, in this um, capitalist society and all this rubbish, and material, you know, while ever we deny that, we deny our, ourselves, more, and more so God, from entering um, into this world. And the more, I think it's like you're saying, Andy, there's a countdown on, and he wants to enter quicker and quicker into this world. And he can only do that with magnitude of everybody, it's, it's gonna get quicker. of everybody bringing him forward to this time. You know, that's what I, I see, Andy. Absolutely. When, when, you know, yeah. the Bible says that we're not going to be able to, to buy or sell yeah. unless we take the mark of the beast. You know, that's when most Christians are going to be actually to say, what do I stand on? Do I either stand on God or my wallet? Yeah. What matters the most to me? You know, materialism is the biggest bane in the Western world. The biggest bane. And God is going to take that dependency upon material things and money away from Christians first. Yeah, we've, we've got to get really prepared. This is what we're, <laughs> we're doing it. We're preparing. 